Jesus, thank you so much for this day, for this time of worship, for reminding us of who we are, whose we are. I pray that you would speak to our hearts today. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts and apply your word. Let it change our lives and transform us from within. We thank you that your word will not return void, but it will accomplish what it was sent to do. And we thank you that you sent the word, your son, to live a life in our place and die a death in our place so we could have life and reconciliation with God. Thank you for the amazing hope we have. Remind our hearts of it this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Vince, for praying for us and bringing us together. If you have a Bible, or if you don't have a Bible, we have some for you on this table over here. We're going to be on page 758. Picture? Volume? Okay. I'm going to talk a little bit louder, project so you guys can hear me. Um, Should be off me. Yeah. Okay. They're going to work on the sound as as we turn to John chapter 1, verse 1. We're starting at the beginning of the book uh, with this series this morning. Uh, So glad to see all of you guys with us this week on a Sunday. There's an Earth Day celebration going on down the street. You want to have trouble parking getting here today? That's kind of ironic, huh? On Earth Day, we have trouble parking. <laughs> we have so many vehicles, but, you know, it's somehow we got to get here. But um, as Christians, we, we do celebrate the Earth, but even more than that, we celebrate the Earth as a gift from the Creator. The, the one who created the Earth and gave it to us to steward, that it's all for His glory. It all points back to Him and who He is. And actually, the scripture that we're going to read today talks a little bit about the creation of the universe. And uh, we're going to start in the book of John, chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 5. If you have one of those Bibles, it's on page 758. And uh, let's go ahead and read that. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. I'll never forget one night in my freshman year of college at the University of Arkansas. um, I had a roommate and I literally had a roommate. Like we had one room and my bunk was here and his bunk was there. This guy I had never met. And uh, let's just say his name's Tim for the purposes of the story. I'm changing his name. But... um, uh, Tim, you know, as we went throughout the year, we got to know each other's story and he was, he was kind of like an agnostic. And then I think later in the year, he was more identified as an atheist. And I hope that didn't have anything to do with me. I really pray about that, but he did know, he did know that I was a Christian and he did know that I believed in Jesus and I believed in the Bible. And I'll never forget one night where we were talking and, you know, it's kind of awkward. You're not really like 
super good friends, but you're in the same room and the lights off and you're falling asleep. He's over there, you're over here. And he's talking about, we're talking about the meaning of life. And we're talking about how he grew up, you know, he grew up Catholic and, and he believed that there was a God. But somewhere in there, he started kind of losing that glimpse, that view of creation. And, and you know, as he went through in his education and, and what he learned, he, he let go of that. And he didn't really know if there was a God out there, if there was a personal being in the whole universe that knew his name. And, and he latched on, you know, it was a big, it was a big bang. I don't know how we got here, but there was a bang and we're here. And somehow life has just happened. And it's this cosmic accident. And he says, Kenny, the thing about that, because I, 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 I know that. I believe that to be true. But the thing about that is that he had lost meaning and a purpose. He said, I go to bed at night and I am alone in the universe. There's not someone out there that I know that's watching my back. And because of that, he struggled with meaninglessness. He struggled with depression. He struggled with having light and hope and life in his life. He was alive, but he wasn't truly living. And I remember just feeling deeply saddened for that reality or that that perception of reality that he was living within. Because he believed that it was a cosmic accident, he couldn't quite see the purpose behind it and the reason to it. And because he didn't have a reason to it, he was lacking true life and light in his life. Why? Do we exist? What is the reason behind it all? What does it mean to truly live? Not just survive for a certain number of years and then at the end of it, die and your life be snuffed out. And then a hundred years after that, hardly anyone knows who you were. What does it mean to truly live? What is the light in this dark world? Now, these are questions I realize that I am just like opening it wide open. Like everyone's brain has just like gone to the deepest, like the deepest thoughts you've ever had about life are now just floating in the air. All right. So and I realize that I can't answer all of that in the three hours that I have for this sermon. So we're going to touch on some of it, but. I'm being silly. These are all questions that we face. It's all stuff that we struggle with. And in your life, you're either going to come to the conclusion that there is a God and he is the reason to it all. Or you're going to come to the conclusion that there's not a reason and you have to make one up. You have to find the meaning of existence and the meaning for your life. And today we're beginning a series called The Gospel According to John. And John tackles some of these questions. And and John is one of the Gospels, which means it's a book and it's a story about Jesus' life and ministry. It's about who Jesus is. And the other Gospels, have you heard of them? Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Right? So they all start somewhere telling about Jesus. So Mark starts at Jesus' baptism. Right? So right before he begins his ministry, it's the first scene in Mark. We still have his baptism and then it goes on. And then Matthew and Luke, they, they go back further than that. It's like, if you need to know the story of Jesus, you need to start with where he was born. And so they start in Bethlehem. And they start from when he comes to earth. Right? And they start from there and they go on. Well, John says, let's go back a bit to the beginning of time. Because if you really want to understand who Jesus is, 
You have to go all the way back. You have to see this story in light of eternity. Now, a little bit about John. John is a story written about Jesus, and it's an eyewitness account. The author says time and again that he was there and he saw these things, that go, the stories and the miracles and the teachings of Jesus. And church tradition holds that it was the Apostle John himself, one, one of the men who was inside Jesus' inner circle. How many disciples did Jesus have? Twelve. Twelve, right? And then there was three inside the inner circle and they were Peter, James, and John, right? So that's the author of this. And Peter and James, they both, after Jesus died and rose again, they, they were martyred. They, they were killed because of their faith. But John lives into old age. And this account, this book was actually written at least 60 years after the Easter story that we heard about last week. Right, so this is written from the perspective of a man who was there and saw it and has seen the Christian church grow and unfold. And now he is writing this to give us this angle of who Jesus is. And when John tackles our big question, our biggest questions of life and existence, the way he answers it is with the answer to this question. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Is Jesus just a man? Or is he more than a man? Is he the son of God? Because if Jesus is just a man, he may have some truth to tell us about. If he's just a good teacher, if he's just a prophet, he may have some good truth to tell us. But if he's the son of God, he is the truth to live by. If he's just a man, he may have some wisdom and he may be wise and be able to tell us some good things about how to live. But if he's a son of God, he is wisdom. He is wisdom. If he's just a man, he may be able to tell us something about life. But if he's the son of God, he is life. So today, as we look at those big questions... I'm doing some teaching. I'm setting up the series. These are kind of big concepts. And the reason we're kind of going into that is because that's where the book starts. It starts as big as you can imagine before history began. And so that's what we're going into. But I believe that you're going to see the themes that we talk about in this uh, in this sermon today are going to open it up the rest of the book for the rest of the series. And, and more even than that, it's going to speak to you today about those big questions. Because what we're going to find... Is that the book of John is, is always about who Jesus is, the life he came to offer, and whether or not you will believe. It's who he is, the life he came to offer, and whether or not you will believe. And as we wrestle with these questions of what is the reason in the universe, of finding true life and having light in our lives, the passage today gives us hope in each of those areas. The passage today is going to show us, and these are my three, three main kind of themes that we want to go along with today, that Jesus is the reason for living. Jesus is the source of life. And Jesus is the light that cannot lose. He's the reason for living, the source of life, and the light that cannot lose. So, the first, the first one, the reason for living. Let's go to uh, the very first two verses again. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, 
And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Have you ever had this experience where you go out into the night sky? It's probably not if you live in San Diego, like in the San Diego sky. <laughs> but maybe if you're out in Julian or somewhere out in the country or so, uh, Yosemite or something like that. You go out and you look up at the night sky and there's just more stars than you can count. Anyone? Okay, good. We didn't all just grow up in cities and fluorescent lights. All right. We have experienced Earth on Earth Day. Um, But you get out there, and if you're there for a while, something about your perspective changes, and all of a sudden you get this sense of your smallness. Little, bitty, tiny. (laughs) And all the problems and all the things in my life and everything that my life amounts to, all of a sudden it seems so small when you're out there with the stars. And I think we have a picture of the Milky Way, just so you guys can imagine it if you've forgotten it. Because that's what I see when I look up at night. But... um, no, but you, you get a sense of your smallness, but you also get a sense of like the bigness of the world. And there's also this sense that there is something that holds it all together. There's something that holds everything in place. Psalm 19, 1 through 4 says, says that creation speaks about God's glory. This is how it says it. We have it up here. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim The work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. So day after day they're showing us the work and the glory of God. And night after night they're revealing knowledge. But then it says this. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. So they're just up there. The stars are hanging and they're silent. But they're speaking the whole time. They're not using language but they're just pouring words and knowledge into us of his glory. So they have no speech, they have no words, but their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. The heavens declare to us that there's a reason, that there's a purpose, there is something holding it together. Romans 1.20 says the same thing this way. So this is from the Old Testament and the New Testament. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities... His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. So his invisible qualities have been clearly seen. Being understood from what has been made. So that people, that's you and me, are without excuse. There is something in this universe. There is reason. There is logic that makes everything make sense. There are... Laws of nature. Has anyone ever heard of laws of nature? I know we're going back to high school. (laughs) Right? You know, matter can neither be created nor destroyed. Or like the the old Newtonian physics, right? That for every uh, action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Right? Is everyone a little bit familiar? For example, gravity. More than just a great blockbuster movie from last year. Gravity... Affects our lives every day, right? So what is going to happen if I drop this iPad? Hopefully I have insurance, but what else? It's an iPad, it's going to shatter. But before that, it's going to fall, right? And then also, as, as, as a law of nature, the next action after my iPad shatters, it's actually written into the laws of the universe that my palm has to hit my face. 
repeatedly because I don't have insurance for it. Don't worry, I'm not going to talk about insurance. It's all the rage nowadays. But we know that there are laws of nature. There are things within our universe that whether or not you believe in God, you depend on them every day to continue to stay the same. The laws of nature, right? You rely on gravity. Otherwise, it's going to be really weird to walk and bouncy. And The sun rises in the east. It sets in the west. There's a reason and there's a logic to it. There's a sense of reason, a rationality to the universe. Now... Go back to John and where he was when he was writing this. The Greeks, the leaders in thought of that day, knew this. They knew that there was a rationality, that there's a reason behind things. And to them it was an abstract idea. But they had a word for it. And they called it the ordering principle of the universe. Or the ruling fact of the universe. That it's a divine logic that gives order to all that is. And their word for it was logos. Logos. Everyone say the logos. Logos. And if you're wondering, a lot of you, a lot of you guys probably already know this. But the word in this verse that says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. That Greek word is logos. In the beginning was the logos. And the logos was with God, and the logos was God. Right, so John's using that word, but to go back to the Greek kind of understanding of Logos before he had written this, this was key to the way that the Stoics understood life. Aristotle, anyone heard of him? Yeah, okay. Aristotle, I have a quote from Aristotle about the Logos. He says, The Logos is designed to distinguish the beneficial from the harmful, and thus also the right from the wrong. For this in distinction from the other animals is the distinctive property of man. That he alone has the ability to perceive good and bad and right and wrong and the other qualities. And communication of these things is what makes a household and a city state. So basically Aristotle is saying the Logos helps you determine what is right and wrong. And helps you determine good and bad and right and wrong and the other qualities. Heraclitus, 500 years before Jesus walked the earth, said that he spoke of the Logos as the ordering principle of the universe. And the way the Stoics understood this, this word and this concept of Logos was that the universe as we know it was permeated, saturated with reason. Right? So whether they could see it or understand it or not, it was permeated with reason and logic that made it make sense. And that was the Logos. And that individually in every person, there was a Logos as well. It was an individual, like human reason. And your way that you could move in harmony with the universe was the Logos within you, helping you move in harmony with the Logos that made sense of the universe. So there's so much that can be said about this passage, but the one little sliver that we're going to focus on today is this fact that the Bible is saying that Jesus is the Logos. That the ruling fact that makes sense of the whole world, that makes sense of everything we can see, the ruling fact and the principle of the universe that holds it all together is not just a mere abstract idea 
or something invisible that we can't know. It's not something we have to guess at or build or make our own version of it. It is Jesus Christ come in the flesh. He is the Logos. He is the one who makes sense of our whole reality. If you've ever wondered, what is the reason that holds it together? Why am I alive? Why do I exist? This verse says that Jesus is the reason you are alive. Jesus is the reason you know what life is and you have breath in your lungs. And Jesus is the point and the goal and the reason for the universe. is to show the glory of God in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Woo. He's more than just a man. He's more than just a good man who came and did good things and taught us good things. He's the son of God. He's God in the flesh. God as one of us who came to show us the meaning of true life and the source of true life. He came to shine light into our darkness. And more than just a man who walked the earth 2,000 years ago, this verse says that he was, mainly says that he was three things, that he was eternal, that he is divine, and that he is personal. It says that at the beginning of history, the Greek word there's, or in the beginning, the Greek word means at the beginning of history, or the, the principle is at the heart of the universe. So whoever this word is, at the, it was there before time began. Jesus was here before time began. He didn't just live as a man and die as a man as we know it. But he is eternal. Not only is he eternal, but it says that the word was God. That anything God was, the word was. That Jesus is God. And lastly, he's not just invisible or unknowable or Something we can't see, but that he is personal. Verse 2 says, he was in the beginning with God. It's a person. It's not just an idea. It's not something abstract. We have a reason for living. We have a logos for living. I'm about to move to the next point, but the main takeaway there. Is that if Jesus is the one who holds everything together, if he is our reason for living, then every other reason that we could find is going to fall short and it's going to end in death. If he is our reason for living, then he is our source of life and he is our light. And there is no other option. If he really did create, if he real, if the Bible is true then He is that reason. And we will find our life in Him. And anything we try to find it in outside of Him will leave us longing for more. And it will end in death. Anything that, anything that you build your life around that is not Jesus Christ will end that way. Whether it's a good reason or a bad reason, whether it's an altruistic reason or a selfish reason, if it's not Christ, it will end in death. If you live for comfort and pleasure, it'll be great for a while. But what happens when you lose your health and you can no longer enjoy the things that you used to? If you live for relationships, which is a great, amazing, beautiful thing that God gave us. 
But even the very best relationship that you can have, the best you can hope for is that you die before them. (laughs) Either way, it sucks. You're going to be parted by death. The person that you build your life with. (laughs) Sorry, I'm just sorry to burst everyone's bubble here. I'm just saying that's the very best ending that you could hope for apart from Christ. Is to be parted in death from the person that you love more than anyone else in the universe. The next best one is to be divorced before that. It ends. It ends. Whatever we build our hope on without Christ, it will end. Even if it's serving others, right? The meaning of this life is to serve others. If you do that and build your whole life on that apart from Christ, there will come a time when you realize you can give your whole life up to serve others. And in the end, you're going to die. In the end, you're not going to be able to fix all of it. You're not going to be able to right all the wrongs. And in the process, you're going to get burnt out and you're going to switch reasons. (laughs) Jesus is the only reason for living that will last. And Zach did an awesome job talking about that he is our hope that we can find and we can be sure of and we can share. He is our reason for living. I don't know who all is here today. I know there's Christians here. I know there's people who may not be Christians here. Whatever is going on in your life, if it's breaking down right now, if in your life you're not experiencing true life, I would ask you to examine what is the reason that you are living for. What wakes you up in the morning? What gets you through the week? Because if it's anything other than the Logos, the reason from before time began, the reason that everything was created and the reason that holds everything together, if it's anything other than Jesus Christ, it will fail you. And if you're not experiencing life right now, it is failing you. Amen? So we have hope today because he is our reason for living. And if he is our reason for living, he is both our source of life and our light that cannot lose. So let's go to the next kind of theme. We talked about who Jesus is. And now we're going to talk about the life that he offers. If we go along in the passage, um, John chapter 1 verse 3. A second, I just need to grab a little sip of water here. John chapter 1 verse 3 says, All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. The next verse says, In Him was life, in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. If you are alive today, if you are breathing, or if you have ever breathed before, gotcha. This scripture is saying, you may not believe it, but this scripture is saying that you owe that to Jesus. That life as we know it, that everything that we enjoy in this beautiful creation, every hummingbird, every caterpillar that turns into a butterfly, every, every scene of, of granite and nature and 
water like Yosemite. I love Yosemite. I'm sorry. I have to bring it up in every sermon. It's the glory of God. But every scene like that is here because it was created through Jesus Christ. More than just a man who came and showed up in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. Everything that we know, everything that exists came through him. It passed by his desk and got his stamp of approval. That in him is life. The very source of life comes from him. And more than that, when Jesus comes on the scene as the light shining in darkness, he says that he came to help us truly live. So everyone that's here that's alive today, we're enjoying life because of him. But there's also brokenness and darkness and sin and death and decay in this world. Am I right? We're living in that state. And when Jesus comes as the light in the darkness, he comes to say, I'm going to show you how to truly live. It's as if to say, I know that you're living and you have these concerns and these joys and this grief, but it's all kind of contained in just this world only. But when Jesus comes on the scene, he's like, I'm going to show you true life. It's found in me and it goes beyond just this world. It goes beyond just your 70 years. Or 80 or 90. It goes beyond that. I have a verse. Um, all the verses, that, well, most of the verses today are from the book of John. And we'll be looking at these as we go throughout the series. But John chapter 10, um, verse 10 and 11. Jesus says this. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So the book of John is, it answers those big questions with who is Jesus? Is he just a man or is he the son of God? And if he's the son of God, then he's really the source of life. And the way it shows it throughout the whole book is that it has these things called signs. Uh, So how many know that Jesus did miracles? Okay, yes. We know that. It's fairly well known. Well, in the other Gospels, they all refer to the miracles that Jesus did as mighty works. But this Gospel uses a little bit different term. It calls them signs. And what you'll see is that Jesus will come on the scene and he'll meet a physical need. And then he'll do this miracle, this sign that shows the people a little bit, just a little small glimpse of who he is. And then he always ends it up like later in the chapter or somewhere later. It He'll end it with an explanation and a word that explains who he is. Let me give an example. You guys heard of him feeding the 5,000? Right? So, so Jesus uh, is there and he's teaching to a whole group and they don't have any food. And they give him the only food they have and it's five loaves of bread and two fish. It's like it doesn't say how big the fish are. They could be like, I don't know. No, they're... they're t- <laughs> Not enough to feed 5,000, even if there's only two of them, right? So the five, five loaves of bread and two fish. And if you're familiar with the miracle, he breaks it. He, he blesses it and breaks it and serves it to everyone. And there's more than enough for everyone to eat. Well, a little bit later in that chapter, John chapter 6, Jesus says to them, and, and this is like after another story has happened since then, but he says this, I am the bread of life. 
Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Do you guys see that? How he came into this life, he met a need that we have, like hunger. And he showed them that he could do that. But then he said, you know what? That's just a miracle. I'm the real bread that you need. Does that make sense? That'll give you life for another few days. I'll give you life for eternity. That'll give you life, but at the end of it, if you don't get more bread, you'll die. If you come to me, I am the bread of life. If you come to me, you'll never hunger for true life. Another example, in in John chapter 11, I think we have the verse as well. John chapter 11, uh, verses 23. Jesus uh, is talking to uh, Martha and her brother is a friend of Jesus named Lazarus. And he has been dead for four days. And so, if you're not familiar with the story, it just sounds kind of crazy already. You're like, why are they... Uh, well, maybe it doesn't sound crazy yet. But they're talking about resurrection and the life. And it sounds a little out there. But just listen to what he says to her. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. So she was saying, I, well, yeah, I believe that he's going to... I believe I'll see him again. It'll be a long time from now, but I'll see him again. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are Christ, the son of God who is coming into the world. And then you know what he does a few verses later? He raises Lazarus back to life. So with every sign, every miracle that Jesus does in this book, he's really doing this miracle to show us. And the author is doing it to show us, to point to who Jesus is. And that true life can only be found when it's lived in him. Here's the point with this point. All life comes from him. So he's the one who knows how to give true life. All creation was created through him. Everything that has been made, not one single thing was made without him. So he's the one who knows how to really give us true life. A picture of that would be like a computer. Right? So imagine you have a laptop and it's got all the all the circuits and everything is completely I can you guys can tell I don't know anything about computers already. <laughs> you got the hypercombobulator hooked up to the two horsepower Intel Pentium. Talk about Dango. Um I'm from Arkansas. Um anyways imagine you've got a computer and it's in perfect working order, right? And But in order for that to really work, like all the parts, all the hardware, all the software is there. But if you don't have some type of power source, what good is the computer to you? Paperweight. (laughs) Yes, you lose all the power, you lose all the meaning, you lose the actual intent that it was created for. If you don't have, maybe you even have a battery and it starts out fully charged. But if it's not staying connected to that source, 
there's not a power cord. And if that power cord is not connected to electricity, you're not going to have any power, any purpose, anything to do with it, except use it as a paperweight a few hours from now. Is that right? It's the same way with us. God has created us. Our bodies are amazing. If you really study the blood vessels and the, and the nerves and the neurons and all this stuff, it's incredible. It's amazing. And God has made this beautiful computer, as it were. But the way to really find life and the way to really live as we're meant to live is connected to the source. If we're not connected to the source, we may find another reason. We may find a little battery that keeps us alive or keeps us moving or or gets us through each week. But if we're not connected to Jesus Christ, that battery is going to die and we're going to burn out and we're going to feel like a paperweight. Anyone been there? I've been there. But we have hope today. We have hope today because He is our reason for living. He's our source of life. And he's our light in the darkness. Just like my friend in the, in the story from the very beginning. He had lost his reason for really living. It was a big cosmic accident to him. And so it didn't really have a purpose and he had to find his own purpose. And, and I knew just through my friendship with him, he was really lacking that true life inside And it showed up in his life and it showed up in looking for other things to make him happy, to give him that fuel to get through. And it also showed up in not having hope, not having hope in something that was beyond him. But when you have Jesus, the Bible says that you have the reason for living and that you can know him, that he's a person. And that you can be connected to the source of life. The last thing. Jesus is our light that can't lose. Jesus is the light that can't lose. I do believe I have John chapter 8. Can we throw that one up there? It's another, uh, another verse from John. Where Jesus stands up in the middle of the crowd and says this. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light Of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Right, so I know there's a lot of teaching and there's a lot of ideas about who Jesus is, that he was a good man or that he was a good teacher. But I just want you to picture for a second like this is a, a man with flesh and blood. And a skeleton like, like you and I have. And he stands up in the middle of the crowd and says, I am the light of the world. What if I did that today? Like what if I came in today and I was like, hey guys, I have a word for you. I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me, you won't walk in darkness, but you'll have the light of life. Now, if I said that. A lot of you guys would know I'm lying because you know me. Right? But even if you didn't know me, you would think, that guy's crazy. And you wouldn't call me a good teacher, would you? And yet we have the nerve to call Jesus a good teacher and, and just a prophet and good teacher, but not really the son of God, when he would get up and say stuff like this. You don't get up and say something like this to a whole crowd of people unless you got something to back it up. 
Jesus is not just a man. Jesus didn't claim to be just a man. He didn't claim to be just a prophet pointing the way to God. He claimed to be God himself. He claimed to be the light of the world in the middle of darkness. The light that cannot lose to darkness. Woo! <laughs> we got two, a- two woos. <laughs> One of the wonders of creation is the human eye and how receptive it is to light. Did you guys know? How far do you think you can see? Just unaided. How far do you think your eye could see? What's that? Ten miles? Okay. Yeah, that's fair enough. There's a, there's a lot of answers and I'm not going to like... Yeah, I'm not going to make fun of you if you say the wrong answer. 11 miles. 11. <laughs> 11.1 miles. 40 feet. 40 feet, right? All right, so there's a, there's a lot of different answers and there's a lot, of way to an, a lot of ways to answer this. One way is like the curvature of the earth. Like wherever you stand on, if you're standing on the earth, the, just because of the curvature of the earth, the horizon is only going to be about three miles away. And you can see that. So then another way to answer is that what if I was on a hill? And what if it, how far could I see then? And a lot of times on a good, good day of visibility, you can see 10, 12, 20 miles, right? But dust and clouds and other things get in the way. But theoretically, scientists have looked at the number of photons it takes for your retinas to respond to light and to see it. And they've answered the question with this. If you were on a mountain and it was completely dark, you could see the flicker of a candle from 30 miles away. 30 mi- so 30 miles is a long way. But even bigger than that, if you go out, like we were talking about earlier, if you go outside at night and you can see a bunch of stars, you can actually see the Andromeda galaxy with your naked eye. And the Andromeda galaxy is more than 30 miles away, believe it or not. The Andromeda Galaxy is 2.6 million light years away. And you can see that with your eye. Because light is powerful. Where light is, darkness does not exist. Have you ever noticed that? If you're in a dark room and you shine a flashlight into it, hallelujah. (laughs) If you're in a dark room and you shine a flashlight into it, is the room dark anymore? No. No. Because when light's there, darkness doesn't have a chance. Darkness is the absence of light. So when there's light, it's light. When Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, if you follow me, you will not walk in darkness, but you'll walk in light. And the whole plot of this book, as we're going to see, it's about who Jesus is. Either he's just a man or he's the son of God. He is God himself. And then because of that, if he's God himself, then he is bringing something. He's bringing true life into the midst of our death and decay. And everything that we can hope in other than him ending in death. He comes to bring true life. But then in the book over and over again. The question is will you believe? Will you believe? 
And that's the light and the darkness. Because everyone who's in the light, according to the Bible, are the people who believe who He is. And they receive what He says they came, that He came to let them receive. And those who are in the darkness are the ones who refuse it. And say, I'm not going to believe. And so there's, there's this battle playing out between light and darkness. And as you're going to see, as you go in later to the book, and as Zach talked about last week with Easter sermon, Jesus goes through a deadly battle between light and darkness. But it's victorious. That Jesus, when He went to the cross, He took on the darkness of humanity. The Bible says that the reason He went to the cross, that He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. And so when Jesus goes to the cross, He's taking on all the darkness and the death and the decay from our whole life. All the darkness that's in your life, all the darkness that's been done to you, He took that on Himself and became that and died for that darkness and was buried. And at the very lowest point where it seemed like it was all over. And even when he died, the sky went dark. All the witnesses say. And then he's buried. And it seems like all is gone. And everyone who followed him thought, well, I thought he was the light of the world. And he said if we followed him, we'd never be in darkness. At the very time when it seemed like there was no more light. On the third day, he rose again. He rose again to the light of life, to walk in life so that we could have that light. And so with everything I'm wrapping up right now, with everything that we've said today, He is our reason that holds together the universe. He is the reason for living. He is the one who's come to offering you true life, more than you could ever discover on your own. And the question is, will you believe? Because if you believe, the scripture says, in him was life and the life was the light of all men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. To really get the sense of that word overcome, it could be translated a few different ways. The darkness has not understood it. The darkness has not overcome it. The darkness has not mastered it. And the darkness has not quenched it. If you believe in Christ today, if you place your faith in who He is as the Son of God, if you say you hold the keys to true life, if you walk in the light, there is no amount of darkness in your life that Jesus cannot and will not overcome. There is no amount of darkness that you have done that the light will not break through. There is no amount of darkness that has happened to you in your past that the light will not make right. The darkness cannot overcome The light. Just as we can see a galaxy two and a half million light years away without even a telescope. In the same way, Jesus' light in your life will overcome every darkness, every dark area, every sin. And give you hope. Amen? So the question is, will we believe? Will we believe? Will we come to Him? I'm closing right now. I'm going to ask the musicians to come on up. And we're going to sing a few songs of worship. But what I'm preaching is that Jesus is that light for you today. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how much darkness that you have felt in your life. He will overcome that. Will you believe? If, you're, if you haven't believed yet, 
You can pray. There's going to be people up here um, today while we're singing that you can that you can pray with and um, and they can they can lead you to beginning a relationship with Jesus today. And if you are a believer, we're, we, we have the communion, we have the bread and the wine, and I pray that you would uh, go to that and go partake of that. Jesus' body broken for you and His blood poured out for your sins so that you could be free. So that all the darkness in your life could be overcome by His light. And, and, and we ask you, you know, as soon as I pray and turn it over to Daryl to go over and, and do that, and to speak the truth, speak, speak life into each other. And then we're just going to worship. And if you, if you place your faith in Jesus for the first time that, and, and repent of your sins and call out to Jesus and say, I died of my old ways, what's going to happen is that pretty soon you, you're going to come to a time you're going to be baptized. And it's going to be just in the same way that Jesus died and then he was buried and then he rose again. It's the same way that's going to happen in your life. That you come to Jesus, He forgives you of your sins, and you die to your old self, and you get buried in the waters of baptism, and you rise up to walk in a new identity. Jesus is our reason for living, our source for life, and the light that can never lose. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank You so much for Your Word. Thank You for what You speak to us, God. God, we humbly come before You. So often we have questions and yearnings in our heart that we don't even understand the depth of and the complexity. And God, I know that 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 I am just a man, and anything I say, I can't I can't fix wrongs, I can't write things in myself, Lord. But we know that you are here, and we know that you have spoken through your word, and we know, Holy Spirit, that you are here with us in this room right now. And so I just invite you to do your work. But I pray that if there's someone here who hasn't yet placed their faith in you, God, that they would come out of darkness into light, God. Those are your words, not mine. That they would come out of darkness and come into the light of life. And Lord, I pray for every Christian who is here who hasn't been living in that true life that you offer. God, if we placed our faith in something else which we're so prone, we are so prone to do, God, I pray that we'd be reminded right now, Holy Spirit, that you would draw us back to the source. Just like that computer being plugged into the power source, that we would be plugged into you. Remind us that you are the reason for all of this, God. Give us clarity. Give us oneness of heart and mind. And uh, let us just rejoice in who you are. In Jesus' name.